And it's good to be with you tonight to end a series and do it in the way that we're doing it. Tonight we're finishing our series based on the book uh, entitled Extreme Prayer by Greg Pruitt. And Greg, as you recall, is the one who came and spoke to us at our Global Impact Celebration. Now when we talk about extreme prayer, uh, Greg basically came up with this idea to give us an acronym to remember how to pray. If you could just kind of run back through that. A, standing for adoration. Start your prayer life with things that you're loving about the Lord, you know. God, I love that you're merciful. I love that you're, I mean, just going through those things. And then he goes to this idea of C, uh, confession. You know, there's something probably in your life most days to confess, right? I mean, if we're being honest, uh, there's something that bubbles up that you just say, you know, Lord, I didn't handle that right. I, my attitude's been wrong about this. I've had wrong thinking about this. And I need to confess that. Uh, and I need to make it right before you. And then he goes to the idea of T, being thanksgiving. What are the things that you're thankful for? That you just go before the Lord and say, I am so thankful for this and this and this. And then you just go down the line. Uh, if you were here this morning, uh, the song that the choir led us in is Julianne sang that solo. I mean, think about all the things that she said we could praise him for. Do you remember any of those? Uh, rocking chairs on a front porch or hills that kids play on. I mean, all those kind of things. Sometimes we get caught up in thinking that it has to be these huge things in our life but it really doesn't it has to be the, the thing you're thankful for in the moment. You know, what are you thankful for? What are you thinking about? What God's leading you to uh, right then? Then he goes in this idea of I, intercession. What does that mean? It just means we're praying for the things that are crossing our minds and the things that are crossing our minds for other people. So when I know to pray for someone, they, somebody today gave me a very specific prayer request for their family. He said, would you pray for that? Yes. We'll do that. That's part of our intercession. There's things that I'm asking God to do in my own life, things that I'm asking him to see in my own family, things that I'm asking him to do in our church's life, things that I'm asking him to do as we ask for wisdom. That's all part of intercession right there. That, that, that's all right there. Then he gets to this idea that we so often forget that you learned about a few weeks ago, V, vanquishing Satan. Do you realize how active Satan is? He's not the little pitchfork guy with the pointy tail, right? That's a caricature of something that makes you laugh and makes you not take it as seriously as you should. And we don't have anything to fear with Satan. That's not the point of that. But he's a powerful enemy only overcome by the blood of the lamb, which covers us. So, you know, it, it's not that we're without hope with that. We vanquish him by saying, Lord, keep me from temptation, keep me from evil, keep me from accidental evil, keep me from the harm that people would do. Uh, towards me. When you read David's prayers in the Psalms a lot of time, a lot of that is vanquishing Satan, asking God to keep him from evil. And then he gets to this idea of extreme prayer. And the, the subtitle of the book was The Impossible Prayers That God Promises to Answer. Uh, there are basically two things uh, that God is really interested in, if you think about it, because there are two things that uh, remain forever. And it's the word of the Lord and souls. Now, one of the things that we're going to do tonight as we end our time is we're going to have a time of prayer for those who are sick. And what I'm about to say is not to diminish what we're about to do. We do this every year at this time because we really believe in it. And as I said this morning, I've been a beneficiary of that prayer for sickness. But can I be honest with you? Do you pray more for the word of the Lord to be spread and for souls to be saved 
Or do you find yourself like I do, praying for what's right in front of me? You know, uh, somebody's got the flu, let's pray for them. Uh, we need to get a job over here, let's pray for that. I'd like you to give me a car, Lord, let's pray for that. I mean, all those things. And all of those things, by the way, are very important to the Lord. But it's an interesting thing when we go before the Lord and start praying in the name of Jesus. And I wonder if we fully understand what's in a name. Uh, that's a little bit lost, I think, sometimes in American culture. How many of you actually know what your name means? Anybody? About five of us. All right. Okay. My name means God's peace. And I'd love to tell you that's why my parents picked that name. They read it in a book. That's what they did. They went down a list of a book and picked that name. You know what? We don't think about it in terms a lot of times like that. But you know what? I do, I do have a name that means something to me more than Jeffrey. Uh, it's my middle name. My middle name is my father's name. And uh, he has a name from his father. And my son has a name from his father, right? I mean, there's something, there's something to be said for that. But I wonder if we truly understand what it means to pray in Jesus' name. We're told if we read some of the scriptures that we can ask anything and we can receive that in Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 John chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I want to just read a couple of scriptures uh, that will remind you of what it means to ask in the name of Jesus before we read 1 John chapter 5. Uh, Jesus said these things, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So when we start thinking about what it means to pray in Jesus' name, we begin to understand that if we ask anything according to that name, God will grant it. Well, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 gives us a little bit more insight into that. It talks about the will of God. And I want to read this for us. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. By the way, if you're ever around someone or you're struggling with your own assurance of salvation, a couple of things about that. This is the book for you. 1 John is the book for those who would struggle with wondering whether or not they're saved because he goes through these things. You know that you're my child because these things have happened. You've believed on the name of Jesus Christ. He says, these things I've written you so that you may know that you have eternal life. That is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the request which we have asked from him. What does it mean to ask something in the name of Jesus? Jesus is concerned with doing the will of the Father. And interestingly enough, while Jesus was healing the sick and raising the dead, he was constantly talking to the disciples about things that would happen when they did things in his name. Now, a lot of times I think we maybe don't quite fully understand that because we'll just say, you know, like, I, I'm going to pray, Lord, that that this would happen in the name of Jesus. Do y'all, I mean, I close my prayers that way. I, you know, like, Lord, I'm, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen, right? We're taught to pray in the name of Jesus. But understanding what Jesus was saying when he said, if you ask these things in accordance to my name, and now First John tells us, if you ask in accordance with his will. Now, can I ask you a question? Did you ever spend any time wondering what the will of God was for your life? I did. 
I still do, right? If you ever hang out in college circles, it's the number one question asked. I'm trying to discover God's will for my life, right? I mean, just trying to search that and figure it out. But Jesus says, ask in my will. Well, if I don't know what God's will for my life is, how can I know how to ask God for things for my life? Because I may be asking him for something that, that may very well harm me, right? I mean, you just don't know. But here's what we know absolutely about God's will. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's will. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? So when we begin to think about this, these are prayers that take our mind and our eyes off of the short term and fix our eyes out into what Jesus was able to see when he said, look out to the field, boys and girls. They are white unto harvest. The fields are ready. And we need to pray that God would send laborers to go out in the harvest. So when we talk about what's according to God's will, we know a couple of things, that the word of the Lord is going to remain forever. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? We talked about how until heaven and earth pass away, the word of the Lord will remain. The only other thing that remains are the souls of men and women in eternity. So it's very important that we understand what he's telling us to ask for here. Jesus, and what I think Greg has done a good job picking up on, is the idea that we need to look to the fields and to begin to ask God, how do you want to affect this community? Of all the prayers that you could pray today, what might have a greater eternal impact? Then asking God, how do you want to affect my neighborhood? How do you want to affect the school that my kids go to? How do you want to affect my workplace? How do you want to affect the places that I go to hang out and have hobbies and all those kinds of things? How do you want to affect Nashville, Tennessee, Lord? There's a group of people here. No one's reaching them. And instead of just going, I hate that they're lost, you begin to pray for that in accordance with the name of Jesus Christ. Because when we ask according to his name, that's the prayer that he's interested in answering. That name's powerful. It's the only name by which you are saved. The name of Jesus. I've had only one experience, I think, where I fully understood what it meant to have name recognition. Uh, I was working for a season. I've told you this before, but I think it bears telling again. I was working for a season with a sheriff's office in Virginia when we lived there. And one day they had asked me to come to court and to help do some things that day. And I said I could come. And I, I came to court and um, there was a new judge that was sitting on the bench, didn't recognize him. And our captain who was working the court that day was talking to the judge. And uh, all of a sudden he came over to me and he said, the judge wants you to come over. And I was like, all right. And so I walked over to this judge, and uh, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, but his name was Judge Kerr. And uh, Judge Kerr asked me uh, who I was and why I was in the courtroom that day and what I was doing, I kind of explained everything. And he said, tell me your name. And I said, my name is Jeff Mims. And he said, Mims. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, was your grandfather Vance Mims? I said, yes, sir, he was, V-O, yeah, that's correct. And he said, I knew your grandfather. He said, anything you ever need in your life, you come see me. Now, I didn't earn that, did I? I? I didn't have any name recognition of myself. He didn't say, oh, man, I've been waiting to meet you. That wasn't it. He said, I knew someone whose name was your name, right? And because of that name, anything that you ever need, you come see me and I'll help you, right? 
Think about what Jesus is saying here. When we tap into what God's will is and we begin to ask things according to his will, and we know what his will is, the good and perfect will of the Lord, and we start praying things like, let your will be done in Nashville, Tennessee, as it is in heaven. How's it done in heaven? Perfectly. It never fails. And we begin to ask according to that. Notice what the scripture says. Verse 14 says, we have confidence when we go before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if I go before the Lord and I ask him for a Ferrari, I don't know if that's God's will for my life or not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I can go before him with confidence, and I don't have to waver about this when I start praying, God, change my neighborhood. God, open my eyes to see how you can use me here. God, let me have an impact here. God, raise up people for Nashville, Tennessee. Raise up the next church, Lord. Not even just our church, but praying for other churches. And when unified prayer begins to go out, we're asking in confidence. We don't have to waver on that at all because we are asking exactly the thing that Jesus told us to ask according to his name because it's that name by which people are saved. Well, that's a game changer, isn't it? It's a game changer when we come to prayer. And if we really understand it, what it does is it takes us out of, I mean, not the mundane things, and I don't mean this, I don't mean this cruelly here, but think about some of the things that we're going to talk about. When we talk about sin and sickness and death, those are all first things, and we're going to live with all of that until we go to heaven, every bit of it. Remember we talked about last week the healing of Lazarus, what that meant. It was one miracle. And then unfortunately, Lazarus had to die again, right? Every miracle is a temporary reprieve in our lives before God calls us home until he comes back. So we pray for those things, yes, but sometimes we labor over things that are so temporary that we miss the eternal. We wonder where the power is, and there is power. But our eyes aren't focused on what Jesus is focused on. i got to be honest with you. This has been, for me, a game changer of an idea. Because my prayer life just doesn't look like that. My prayer life looks like my concerns, the things that bother me, the things that trouble me. But when we begin to pray for the lost and weep for the lost... When we begin to really ask God to make a kingdom impact through our lives... And we're just saying, Lord, however you need to use me to reach that person, j just do it, Lord. I, I want to see them in heaven so bad. I, I know that's according to your will. God, for this people group that's moved to Nashville, Tennessee, God, I don't know why you brought all the, the nations to Nashville. It's crazy that you've done that. How are we going to reach them? We know you want to reach them. Because we know that when we get to heaven, every tribe, every nation, every tongue is going to be there. See, that's extreme prayer all of a sudden. It's a different kind of prayer. It's a prayer that moves heaven. It's, a, it's honestly, I think, a prayer that shakes heaven wide open. Because, you know, there are very few things that we're told are celebrated in heaven. A wayward person returning. Angels celebrate a lost person who comes to faith in Christ. You know what they don't celebrate in heaven? UT. Anybody watch the Missouri game yesterday? Woo. They, they don't celebrate that. That's what I find myself celebrating. That kind of stuff. 
But what's celebrated in heaven is what lasts, right? So when I think about that, I think about an updated email that I got from Greg Pruitt this week. Pastor Jeff, just wanted you to know the Toma Bible translation is on track because of your church's generous gift to be finished, completely finished by 2021. We will hand it off to Faith Comes by Hearing by 2021 and the Toma people will have the Bible. Then Pastor Jeff... The Kona people will be able to do it. And the Zialo people will be able to have the scriptures. Thank you for your generous gift because the word of the Lord endures forever. You understand what he's saying there. You just moved heaven for someone. You just opened up and did something that God's very interested in. And it's the word of the Lord in souls. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mean, you understand what's happening here, right? And so when we begin praying to that end, I can't tell you how excited I am that we have funded now the Toma language will be our seventh language at this church that we have funded. And when we get the Zialo and the Toma language done as well, I mean, just think about what God, or the Kona language done as well. Think about what that means. Think about the hundreds of thousands of people who are living in darkness right now. And what I want us to do, before we enter our time of prayer, of prayer for, for the sick, I want us to take just a moment and focus our eyes in eternity. And you may have come here tonight, and you're going to be asking for the prayer of healing. And I want to tell you, that's the right thing to do. It's the scriptural thing to do. We're commanded to do that. We're going to read that passage in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to challenge you as well. Focus your eyes towards heaven. And ask God to move in such a way. I'm praying that something happens that the Toma people don't have to wait till 2021. There's people that are going to die between now and 2021. I want to pray that God moves in such a way that when the word of God comes, we will know that we were responsible for revival there in, in Guinea, Africa, and that we were part of that. I want to pray that we're responsible for shaking heaven wide open for Nashville, Tennessee. And then we're asking for our state that God would move in such a way that what I reported to you this morning, that baptisms and salvations are up in the state of Tennessee 2% this year. Praise the Lord. But I'm praying that after this year it's 10%, right? By the way, our state convention has set a goal, 50,000 baptisms per year. You know why? How many people are moving to Nashville just this year? We're not even keeping pace, Right? So the fields are white unto harvest. That scripture hasn't changed. Let's take a moment and pray and ask God to do what only he can do and pray boldly in the name of Jesus. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you not to move around too much, but I'm just going to ask you just to circle up just with two or three, four people right where you're sitting. If you're by yourself, get with somebody. And I want you to pray this prayer. God, use us in the name of Jesus to reach this city. God, use us in the name of Jesus to reach our state. God, use us in the name of Jesus to reach this people group. God, use us so that the word of the Lord will endure forever. God, use us so that our, our city, I mean, our, our country will be totally transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, use us so that the world will be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that is in your name, and we pray boldly in your name for that to happen. And as you do that, you can have confidence tonight. That that's a prayer that Jesus is very interested in answering, okay? So as you would, would you bow your heads and begin to pray? And in just a moment, I will close us in prayer, this portion of our service, before we move to praying for those.
who've come to call for the elders to pray for them tonight.